Hi friends, it's Pastor Drew Wilkerson from Bridgewater Church. Hey, thanks for stopping by this podcast. It's our prayer that as you listen, God will speak to your heart and you will feel inspired and you'll learn new things that will help you in your daily walk with God and just in life in general. So again, thanks for stopping by and thanks for listening. We welcome you and those who are joining us by live stream now. We've had a good time of worship this morning. Now we look at the Word of God and uh, what He has to say to us, how He can instruct us so that we can be more like His Son, Christ Jesus. Amen? You want to be more like Jesus? That's what I thought. No, okay. You want to be more like Jesus? Amen. Well, I have a question for you today, and the question is this. Have you ever been offended by God? Think about it for a moment. It would be easy to say, no, no, I would never be offended by God. God is supreme. He's the most high. He's who has rescued me. But we think about our behavior. We think about our, the way we respond to God quite often. It may expose to us that we have been offended by God. Well, we would not be the first who have been offended by God because as you look at the Word of God, we'll find that there are others before us who were offended by the Lord Jesus and the way that He operated. And why is this an important question? Why am I asking, have you ever been offended by God? Well, first of all, it's a tool of Satan himself. He wants you to be offended by God. He wants you to be pushed off in your feelings by God. If he can put a wedge between you and God, and then he can play havoc in your life, in your thought life, in, your, in the way that you live out. So first of all, remember that being offended by God is a tool of enemy. He's mixing up our thoughts. He's misconstruing, causing us to misconstrue the things that God would have us to know to be true. When we are offended by God, we often fall into a period of doubt. We fall into a period of discouragement. We fall into a period of, of wondering why this is happening. And often when we are offended by God, it brings division among the body of Christ. So naturally, it would be a tool of Satan because that's what he's always done. He wants to divide and conquer us and remove us from that intimacy that we are allowed with the Lord. There is a passage of Scripture in the Gospel of John where Jesus is asking his disciples, are are you offended by this? In John chapter 6, verses 60 and 61, we find these words. On hearing it, that is the teaching that the disciples were hearing Jesus give, many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Aware, now note, it was his disciples, those who were close to him, those who were learning of him, those who were committed to him, that were grumbling and complaining and saying, this is a hard teaching, who can accept it? Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, 
does this offend you? Now the context of that passage is Jesus is just talking about what you and I now understand to be the symbolic act of taking communion. Because in what he was teaching, he said, I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life. You eat of this world and you will die, but he who eats of me will live forever. And so he goes on to say, if you eat my body and if you drink my blood. Now those are some alarming thoughts, are they not? Now get this, they, this is on their side of the cross, not our side of the cross. They have not gone through the crucifixion or the resurrection yet. And Jesus is saying, if you eat my body and you drink my blood, sounds kind of gruesome, doesn't it? And the disciples saying, man. This is a hard saying. This is a hard teaching. Who can accept this? This is morbid. They were not getting the analogy. Jesus was setting them up for something that he would show them later at the Last Supper. But they were grumbling and complaining after they'd spent much time with Jesus. And Jesus says, so you're offended by me? You're offended by what I'm teaching you, what I'm saying to you. So if you've been offended by what God has brought into your life or what you hear God say in your life or what you read in Scripture, you are not the first that has been offended. Let's look for a moment at some of the things that often lead us into feeling offended by God. First of all, are situations in life that do not turn out as we expected. Has anybody here ever had a situation in life, it just didn't turn out as you expected? I have a sister. She's, I have, actually, I have four sisters. But I recently was talking with my second sister, who is 62 years old, and she was 42. Her husband died of cancer. She still had three sons to raise. She did a good job in that. But she's found life to be very difficult. One of her sons has become quite incorrigible in days of late. And I was talking with her the other day, walking her to her car as I was visiting over in Indiana. And I said, how you doing, sis? And she said... I never thought life would end this way. I never thought it would turn out this way. And I said to her, life is not over yet. Life is not over. We get into those situations where we prayed one way, we thought another way, we thought we were being obedient. It just didn't turn out. And so we begin to be like the disciples. We begin to grumble and complain. We're being offended by what God has allowed to happen in our life. Why would He do this? Why would He allow it to happen to me? Then there is that aspect of when the task is just too hard. What I've been asked to do, what I've been asked to go through is just too difficult. I don't know how I'm going to do it. I, I don't know how to get out of this. I, I don't know why 
this has placed upon me, why this burden has been placed upon me. And in those moments, we begin to say things like, boy, I didn't sign up for this. And yet, nothing happens to us that doesn't pass through the permissive will of God. Doesn't mean God willed it, but God knows it. He knows what we're dealing with. And when we get overwhelmed, overburdened with life and the difficulties, it's easy for us to become offended. I shouldn't have to walk through this. We begin to feel like we've been given something that we shouldn't have. And then thirdly, we begin to, when we begin to question the sovereign will of God. You know, the will of God is pretty easy to understand. It's the way of God that's often difficult for us. We know that God wants us to serve Him. We know that God wants us to bring glory. We know that God wants us to love Him. But the way that sometimes He leads us through life and what He brings us through, quite often sometimes we, we struggle with the way God wants it done. <laughs> you remember Abraham and Sarah? They wanted a son. Abraham wanted a son all of his life. He gets to be an aged man. He still doesn't have a son. And God comes to him and said, you're going to have a son. Through your wife Sarah, who is barren, who's never had a child, and she's aged well. Moses goes home and tells Sarah what God has said. Sarah laughs at him. You're a crazy old man. Abraham waiting on that promise of God, decides, you know what? I'll just take it into my own hands. And he decides, and his Sarah agrees with him, why don't you just have a child with your maidservant, Hagar? And so what is he doing? He's trying to do God's will, not God's way, his way. What does the matter? He was offended by God. God wasn't doing it just like he wanted it done. It wasn't coming to pass just like he thought it was impossible. God's asking me to have a child through my aged wife who is barren. I'm an old man. That's not going to happen. We often become offended by the way God wants things done. Say, so, well, I'm not sure I'm offended. Well, we just don't believe God's able to do it. You know, we just don't believe God's able to do what he said he would do. That's what happened to Abraham. That's taking offense to God when we question the sovereign will of God and the way that he wants to carry out his will. So when we become offended by God, we fall into a trap. And here's how we often respond when we are offended by God, when we have been offended by the way He wants to do something, or the task that He's allowed to come upon us, or a situation doesn't turn out like we thought He should, how do we respond when we are offended in such a way? Because our thinking becomes misconstrued as to what God is really trying to do in our life. The first thing that happens is doubt becomes our way of thinking. Have you ever thought in your mind or even said, well, where's God now? I don't feel God. Where is He now? Well, that would be to question the very character of God 
whom he says, I am omnipresent. And his promise was, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I'll be closer than a brother. So we begin to doubt the very promises of God, the very word of God, when we take offense to what God is wanting to do. And in that doubt, we begin to wonder, can I trust God? We have the example for us in Scripture that one of his disciples, Thomas, remember, the great doubter, doubted of the way God was doing things, took offense to the way God was doing things. Remember when he said, as I shared with you a few weeks ago, when Lazarus had died, Jesus said, let's go, Lazarus is asleep. Well, it says, well, if Lazarus is asleep, then let him sleep. That's probably because he's sick and he needs to get well. Jesus said, no, he's not asleep, he's dead. And we're going to him. And you know what Thomas says? Thomas says, well, let's all go so we can all die. He was offended by what God was trying to get done. Why? Because he doubted what God could do in that situation. Not only do we fall into doubt, but we also fall into denial. That becomes our action. Once we start not believing, once we start doubting, then we fall into denial. In Matthew chapter 26 and verse 31, we read these words. Then Jesus told them, he's talking to his disciples before he's about to be arrested and then tortured and then crucified and then rose, raised from the dead. He says, this very night, he's talking to them, you will fall, he's talking directly to Peter, you will fall away on account of me, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. Do you remember what Peter said? No, no. I will not be scattered. I will not leave you. You can count on me, God. I'll be right here. And Jesus said to him, before the rooster crows three times tonight, you will deny me. You will deny me. Not me, he says. But after the, cruci- after, the, after the arrest in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus is taken away. He's being tortured. Life is not fair. Jesus is certainly not being treated right. He didn't do anything wrong. And then that night, Peter is accused of being a follower of Jesus, and he denies him. What was happening? Things weren't turning out like Peter thought it would. The situation had turned dark, and Peter had begun to doubt what Jesus had said. And sure enough, he falls into that aspect of denial, the denying of God's mercy, the denying of God's presence, the denying of God's protection. Peter, fearing for his own life, denies the Lord. Not only do we fall into doubt and denial, but we also often fall into betrayal, just like Judas. Judas, who thought that Jesus had come to set up an earthly kingdom, and he was going to be a part of that earthly kingdom, and he was going to be an important person in that earthly kingdom. And when it began to not be that, when it didn't turn out that way, 
when it was evident that his kingdom was not of this earth, but it was a spiritual kingdom that would transform men and women, Judas, Judas was offended. And in that offense, he betrayed Jesus. You see, if the enemy can get us to be offended by God by bringing certain, certain situations, blocking certain promises that we think are blocked for the moment. Remember, God is at work right up to this very day. That's what he said. My father is at, Jesus said, my father is at work right up to this very day, and I'm working also. <laughs> Always believe, Always believe that God is present and God is working. Otherwise, we can easily be offended by what we're going through, what, how things are turning out, and we become just like the disciples. Peter who would deny. Thomas who would doubt. Judas who would betray. Don't become like them. We have so much more light on this side of the cross, so much more light on this side of the resurrection of Jesus. Stand firm. Believe in what He is. Jesus said some words to a very, very important person in the Scripture. One who came before Him, John the Baptist. He said, Blessed is He who is not offended by Me. In Matthew chapter 11, verses 2 through 6, we read these words. Now when John had, had heard in prison, John had been put in prison. When he heard about the works of Jesus, he sent two of his disciples, and he said to him, ask Jesus this question, are you the one, the coming one? Or do we look for another? Are you the coming one? Now here's John the Baptist. Get the context. John the Baptist is that man who was sent before Jesus to prepare the way. It was John the Baptist who said, There he is, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. John the Baptist was the one who baptized Jesus. And now John is in prison. He's fallen from favor to prison. <laughs> And he says, go ask Jesus, is he the one that we were looking for? Is he the one that we had been promised? Or should we look for another? Now, if there was anybody that Jesus owed an answer to, it was John the Baptist. I mean, he lived an austere light. He denied his fleshly passions. He gave himself to the task that was his. And this is what Jesus says to him. Then the blind, he says, tell John this. The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk. The lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up from the poor. The poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he who is not offended by me. John the Baptist, whom Jesus said, there is no other man who has such great faith as this man. John the Baptist, the preparer of the way. 
who said, I'm not even unworthy to unlatch his shoes. John the Baptist, who lived among those who lived an austere life. And now comes Jesus. Jesus goes to parties and weddings. He turns water into wine. He eats with the publicans and the sinners. John's going, what is going on? What was happening? The enemy was tempting John the Baptist to be offended by Jesus. And Jesus says to him, John, the lame walk, the blind see, the poor are preached to. Blessed is he who is not offended by me. <laughs> As you go on to read the story, you'd say, well, that's something. How'd that turn out for John? Well, he was beheaded. His, plate, his head was put on a platter and presented to the king's wife, who was offended by John. It seems as though John went from favor to prison to death. No, John went from favor to prison to glory. Yes. <laughs> His job was finished on this earth. Would that have been the way God wanted it to all turn out? Probably not. Choose not to be offended by the affairs of life because this life on this earth is very short indeed. And what happens here is a way of preparing us yet for what we do not see and what we do not know, and that is to be in the very glorious presence of God forevermore. Blessed is he who is not offended by me. In that moment in prison, just like most of us, it's very hard when we're going through conflict to see the big picture. What's happening here? Why am I going through this? Why am I, why am I going through this affliction? Why am I being treated this way? Why am I being misunderstood? Why didn't I get the job that I thought was the greatest job of all time? Why is someone talking about me? Why has someone turned against me? Quite often, we are caused to think only about ourselves and not the big picture because God is working right now. Yes. No matter what you're going through, no matter what we're experiencing, no matter how a situation has turned out, God is working in our behalf right now up to this very moment. What I'm going through is not the end. What I'm going through is not final. What I'm going through is just a passage. I will not be offended by God. Amen? Amen. And so John moved from favor to prison to glory. True to his purpose. True to his task. And now he reigns in glory forever. Which is what will happen to every believer. So how am I to grow beyond being offended? How am I supposed to be able to get to that place where I'm not offended by the way God is allowing life to live out? Well, one of the first things you want to ask is, has any decision that I have made been in conflict with what God wanted to do in my life? 
Because quite often, being offended by God is really that we have offended ourselves by the decisions we've made. The decisions that we didn't consult God about. The decisions that we took into our own hands. But know this, if, you're, if we are offended by God, you certainly will be offended by others. And when we are offended by others, you know what it causes? Division. Division. So in the church, quite often, there are offenses taken. What happens? I get offended by how sister so-and-so treated me. I get offended because I didn't get that position. I get offended because the pastor did this or that. And we focus on the offense rather than what God is trying to do. You see, He is working up to this very day, molding us into the likeness of His Son, Christ Jesus. So as I think about being offended, the moment I begin to be offended by people, I can almost certainly say, I have become offended by God. I, I have taken offense to what God is doing in my life. I've begun to have a me focus rather than a he focus, and I need to ask God, what is he doing right now? What is he teaching me right now? What is he allowing me to experience so I might grow? Instead of why being the question, what should be the question? What do I need to learn? What do I need to see? What is God doing? Can you, Lord, help me see the big picture? Secondly, we need to truly believe what we say about Jesus. We need to truly believe what we say about Jesus. We say that He is the Messiah, the one who has come to redeem us, restore us. We say that He is the great deliverer, that His power has the power to deliver us from even the most difficult places that He will take us through. We say that He is the Son of God. We say that He is the Savior of the world. We say that He is the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. Do we believe it? Or do we take offense? I don't know. Because when we take offense... And we allow ourselves to move through a sequence of doubt. We allow ourselves to move through a sequence of denial. There are those who fall away. Fall away. You perhaps know some. You know someone or life didn't turn out. They went through a crucible in life they didn't expect. They went through a difficult hour they didn't expect. Well, if that's the way God is, I'm out of here. I'm going to take my ball and go home. Or they try to take it into their own hands. They try to solve a problem that they think exists. They try to somehow work through it with only their energy, only their might, only their thinking and their philosophy of life. They're struggling with the will and the way of God, and they fall away. Fall away. We all know some. They have fallen away. Why? They've been offended. They've taken offense by God. Did you know that we live in a culture that's offended by God? 
I want to tell you that the modern culture, the culture of humanity, is offended by the Word of God. They don't like what the Word says. They don't like what the Word says about sexuality. They don't like what the Word says about marriage. They're offended by the Word. And when they are offended by the very thing that would give them life, they fall away. Be careful when you take offense. And when that fence begins to be manifested toward others, because once again, it's a ploy of the enemy to divide you and to conquer you. He wants to take you down and take you out. He wants you to be a Judas rather than a Peter who can turn and say, I was offended. I was wrongly, I wrongly took offense. Jesus, I do love you. Therein you'll find Jesus gives you new purpose, new dedication. Spiritual maturity is measured by our ability not to be offended by God. Let me say that again. Spiritual maturity is measured by our ability not to be offended by the will and the way of the Word of Jesus. It takes humility not to be offended. Amen? I humble myself before God. God, I don't understand this. I don't see the total picture right now. I don't know how this is going to work out. But Lord, I want to grow in my faith. I want to become stronger, not weaker. I want to validate your presence in my life. I want to be the testimony you want me to be. Therefore, I humbly bow and I submit to you, Lord, how you're going to lead me through this passage of life rather than to be offended. Then we need to trust that everything God does for us will be right. Trust the Lord to do what is right and what is needed for you. Now, people have asked me, on several occasions, and even in my own life, I have experienced when, when someone did something I didn't expect, when they, it seemed to be something that grieved my spirit, you can get to a place where, you know what, I don't even want to pray for those people. You ever been there? How do I pray for those people? Well, how you pray for those people is, Lord, they're your creation. I don't know why they're acting the way they're acting. I don't know why they're doing the way they're doing. But God, I ask you this. Do what is best for them. When you pray for someone, for God to do what is best for them, you're laying them in His presence, in His hands. You're releasing it. You don't take offense because they're acting the way they're acting. You're believing that God can not only do what's right for you, but He can do what's right for them to help them grow, help them understand, draw them closer to Him, or even draw them to Him for the very first time. So I have to, we have to humble ourselves and say, Lord, I don't understand what's going. I don't see the total picture, but I submit to Your will and Your way in this situation that you, Heavenly Father, will bring nothing but what is right for me. 
Does that mean it will be easy? Absolutely not. It's not easy sometimes. But if it's right, ultimately, I'm going to grow and I'm going to become stronger rather than weaker. And I'm going to be a better representative for Him in the kingdom. My spiritual maturity is measured by my ability not to be offended. Would you read that with me? My spiritual maturity is measured by my ability not to be offended. Now, whenever we take offense, whether it's an offense that we have that we think God has offended us, or we're having an offense toward someone else, the thing is to stop and just say, Lord, I do not want to be spiritually immature. I don't want to act like a child. I don't want to think this is all about me. I know you at work in my life up to this very moment, and I trust you, God, to do the right thing. And I know you're going to make me a better person through this. And I know you're going to bring me through the storm. And I know, Heavenly Father, that in this dark night, there's light beyond it. And I'm trusting you, Father, to do the right thing. When we pray that kind of prayer, we grow spiritually mature. We mature in our faith. And offense cannot stop us. The enemy cannot create division in our life, in our midst. Every marriage that ended in divorce ended because someone took offense. Someone was offended. You say, well, you don't know what happened to me. It doesn't matter what happened to you. Am I willing to say, God, I'm going to trust you in this moment. I'm going to allow you to work in my life. I'm going to learn of you and become more like you so that my light might, your light might shine through me in this dark moment. So as we're growing in that spiritual maturity, as we're allowing God to work in us, what do we do? The very first thing you do is you extend the grace that's been extended to you. Extend the grace that's been extended. What grace has been extended to you? If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, the grace that was extended to you was you were completely forgiven. Of every sin you ever committed, of every offense you ever tried to perpetuate toward the faith, of every aspect of doubt, every aspect of denial, every aspect of betrayal, you have been completely forgiven. By the one who stretched out his arms on the cross, one who did not sin, one who only loved and forgave, and in his darkest hour, when mankind has brought every offense they could bring, he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. So the very first thing we do as we grow in our spiritual maturity, is to extend the grace that has been extended to us. Secondly, begin to believe the best rather than the worst. Oh, life's never going to change. Oh, I'm never going to get out of this. Oh, I'll never have this. I'll never be able to do this. Believe the best. Believe the best. Believe the best in God. Believe the best in yourself. Believe the best in in your fellow man. 
And in the body of Christ, one of the things we need to do is make sure that we encourage one another rather than discourage one another. Lord, help me always to be an encourager. Help me to stir up courage in others. Help me not to be a discourager. Don't allow me to speak discouraging words or think discouraging thoughts about someone else. Lord, keep me from being offended by the actions of others that I might encourage everyone that I come into relationship with. Lift one another up. You see someone discouraged? You see someone about to take offense? Lift them up. Strengthen them. Pull them to yourself. Lift them up to Jesus and see how God can work through you to lift them into His presence. Most of all, every time you are thinking about offense, in that moment, ask this question. What characteristic of Christ would best be displayed in this moment? What character of Christ would best be displayed in this moment? You see, just as God is working every moment of every day in our behalf, just as He's molding us into the likeness of Christ Jesus, Satan is also trying to get you to be offended, trying to create dissension, disbelief, distrust, discouragement, disillusionment in your life. So Lord, when I'm feeling down, when I'm feeling like something's coming against me, Lord, what characteristic of Christ would most and best be displayed in my life at this moment? Is it love? Is it joy? Is it peace? Is it patience? Is it tenderness? Is it self-control? Lord, you said your spirit grows all of that in me. Display that now in this difficult situation in my life. Help that very characteristic to be on display. You see, someone is watching. And if I say I'm a believer and I'm in the faith, when things are going great, nobody really watches that. Good, you got a good life. But when things get tough, when things get difficult, when things don't turn out like we thought they would, how do we act then? How do we respond then? Because that's when others are watching. And when they see us be able, by the power of the Holy Spirit, to display a very characteristic attitude of Jesus, a response that He might give, they see something that is very unusual in their culture. And therein, He can receive glory in your life. Amen? Amen. Trust the Lord. Trust the Lord to do what is right and needful for us, regardless of how it looks on the surface, because it's not over yet. Amen? Turn to your neighbor and say, it's not over yet. It's not over yet. Amen? It's not over. No matter what you're going through, no matter how hard this moment seems, it's not over. It's not final. 
I'm still breathing. I'm still walking. I'm still believing. I'm still trusting. I'm still hoping. I know God's working in my behalf. Hallelujah. Amen. That's the life we are to live. Rather than allowing to us to be pulled into the sea of offense. Amen. Let's bow together. In the silence of this moment. Whatever and wherever you are in life. Know that God knows right where you are. He knows the burden. He knows the difficulty. He knows the decision. He knows the heaviness. He knows the blessing. And as his ambassador... What do you need from Him to be more like Him? What do you need from the Lord right now? If Jesus were here in the flesh, He would simply ask this question, What can I do for you today? And in this moment, you can answer Him and say, Lord, I need this. I need help with this. I need understanding. I need clarity. I need wisdom. I need your grace. I need displayed in my life this characteristic like you. Forgive me for taking offense, Lord. And help me to spiritually mature in this moment, in this situation. Father, as we bow here today, thankful for your grace and mercy that is so extravagant unearned, unmerited, and yet given so freely. Thank you, Lord. May we too, in response to you, Father, to glorify you, allow the character of Jesus to invade our life, place in us those fruit of the Spirit that will display your goodness not our offense. Your power, not our weakness. Your hope, not our despair. And may Jesus be glorified in our life. I ask this, Lord, in your name. If you live as one growing spiritually mature, and every hardship, every difficult hour, you ask God to help you just to grow a little more, what you'll find this is He'll always be faithful to lead you, guide you, and take you through. Amen? Hey, friends, thanks for listening. And if you want to be a part of our eFamily, then all you have to do to join us is click the link below, and you can check us out on our YouTube page, you can also join us on social media. And if you'd like to support the ministry, then just click the link to give. We're so grateful for all of our partners and together we can do more than we can alone. So again, thanks to all of you for listening to this podcast and also thank you for helping us reach people around the world for Jesus Christ.